Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Rest in peace to goaltenders across the NHL after a horrific night of tending league-wide. That's why we have our analyst from the position smirking and shirking right now. Marty Baran, he doesn't want to go here, but we have to. No, no, I, I love going there. You know why? Because I have plenty of experience in all aspects when it comes to goaltenders. I've given up bad goal, given up goals from center ice. I've given up goals where I misplayed the puck. I've made saves when I misplayed the puck. I've had good games. I've had bad games. I, I've had all of it. So when I watch it, I'm like, I could, I could put myself back in those shoes because I've been there and I lived it. And it's sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Does Charlie Lindgren need to embrace Tage Thompson's goal song moving forward? Uh, yeah, he went fishing in the dark. and But, you know, here's the thing. When you go fishing in the dark and you catch something the first time, yeah. you're going to do it again. I can, Again, <laughs> I can tell you this. I've done exactly the, ex- oh, the same thing. And I can tell you when I did the same thing. I was with the Flyers, and we are playing the Nashville Predators. And I, I, I had had a tough year in the shootout that year. I actually gave up three goals on three shots, back-to-back shootouts. I was 0 for 6 in back-to-back shootouts. So Nashville comes in, and I'm like, I'm going to be aggressive. First guy comes in. I don't poke check, shoots, miss the net. Like, okay, but we didn't score. Second guy comes in. I decide to do the poke check. I get him, and we didn't score. Third guy comes in. I poke check again. He walks around me, and we didn't score. So we lost the shootout, one nothing, and I did the exact same thing. Charlie Lingrid did. I went fishing in the dark and I got, I, I, I got caught empty, empty ended. And that's not a good feeling, but at least I was trying to do something because I was trying to win a game. I think Charlie Lingrid is trying to do the same thing. But anyway, that's what I did as a goalie. I like how you start the show with uh, some bad plays from goaltenders because there was plenty of bad plays from goaltenders last night, uh, even in, yeah, in, well- in wins. Yeah, uh, well, Bob didn't win. Uh, Huso didn't win, so I don't think you're right there. Yeah, I think uh, I think everybody lost, though. Uh, yes. Uh, who was the one that? Oh, Merzlikens wasn't great. So, but he was. He, he was ever? good. Huh? <laughs> Is he ever? Well, exactly. Now, some would say... Dana will defend him to the nth degree. I mean, Columbus just has issues beyond goaltending. But I will tell you this, the number of times that you know that I would have bet the farm and lost the farm this year, I can 100% assuredly tell you that when Toronto scored early in the third period last night, I would have bet every single dollar I have that they were going to tie the game. And they did. I wasn't watching. I was watching four other games, and I just kept refreshing the the score site and i was like well this is no surprise and there was no surprise when they scored twice in the last 90 seconds 
but there was also no surprise that Columbus won the game. In my opinion, this stuff happens and not to the typical extent of blowing a five goal lead, but these losses do disappear. Toronto's actually kind of made a habit of this. The only thing, and you know what, after being mean as per usual to the Toronto market (laughs) yesterday, like I just wish more teams were like Toronto. Like the Leafs have points in 13 out of 14 games. There's nothing to criticize them for. They're without their top goalie. Like their defense has been a bit of a train wreck this year with injuries. They lost the almighty Ryan Reeves due to a fluky injury last night. But you know what? 13 of the last 14 games, they get points. And that's all I want from my team. Like just get points. And yes, it's, no. it's, it's impressive. And you can go down the list of teams right now in the Eastern Conference that are doing that. The Flyers have points in 13 of the last 16 games. Uh, even Tampa, who appears to be struggling, has won four of the last six. The Islanders have points in 13 of their last 14. Like, man, you just got to join that club, right? And, and we sit here talking about getting on a run, right? And obviously, this goes back to the Sabres, who have only won back-to-back games once this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to get on a run, you got to start with winning two in a row, and then you go to three. And then, well, maybe you stop at three. Well, you know what? Let's start another run where we go one, two, three, four, and then maybe it's one, two. But when you only do that once all season um, and you're already at game 31, it's hard. It's hard to say that in the first 31 games, you've only been able to put consecutive wins once in the season. So that's that. But you're right. You'd look at the comebacks. Toronto last night was down 5 nothing after two. When you look at the live odds after 40 minutes, the money line on either Toronto or Columbus was not available. You couldn't bet just on Columbus or Toronto to win the game. And then they come back. One, two, three, four, five. And you wouldn't have had to bet the farm and, mm-hmm. and the whole, uh, your house on it because the odds, even at 5-1 and 5-2, were so much in favor of Columbus that you would have had your money's worth. You could have put a, a, a few dollars on it, and if the Leafs had come back and won it, you would have got your money's worth out of it. But the same thing with Tampa. Tampa gets 53 saves from, because it's still unofficial, 53 mm. saves, I believe, from uh, Andre Vasilevsky. And they yeah, come back from being a number of those from like the high danger or oh my God. Area, like 30 something. It was like, what? The, the uh, orders had 23 shots in the second period alone and a lot on the power play. And they were all great scoring chances. All of them. They were all one after the other one, but Vasilevsky goes out there. Yeah. He gave up four. They won seven, four, two empty net goals. Stamkos got four goals. Kucherov. He, he sees McDavid in the rearview mirror saying, Oh, McDavid is getting two and a half points per game in the last 11 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I better get myself going. Well, he got a breakaway goal in the third that made the difference, but he, there was comebacks. There was change of leads. There was all of that in mm-hmm. the, in the NHL last night. Well, I have to say that, I was sorry. No, go ahead. No, no I was going to say that's how, that's how you get to go and win one, two, three, four is a game that maybe you thought was lost. You come back and win it when you're down a goal with 10 minutes left and you win it in, in overtime or something. Were you surprised that was Stamco's first four goal game? Uh, I, can you see it right here <laughs> no, on my piece I of paper? <laughs> Wait, I can't, still can't it see says, it. It uh, says it's too faint. Stamco's four goals 
first time in career question mark like seriously okay good we're still on the same page this is good okay, i'm like so, that's the first time like not even a hat trick and an empty netter or something once in his career like one of the goals was awful from so far away that skinner yes. just went like a, that was a goal that really hurt uh edmonton right because they made it and three, three, and that, that made it four necessary empty netter wow <laughs> they were already up you know, multiple six four. Yeah, anyway. but he did have a hat trick in the third period alone, which is pretty pretty impressive. Oh well, yeah, well, yes, I I see what you're saying. He he had a first period goal. The hat yeah, trick was established in the, in the yeah. third, and then he added to it. So yes, that's a you're twisting the truth just a little bit there. But yes, he had three yep. goals in the third period. He had the hat trick prior to the three goals. But look at look at uh, you know I mean obviously St. Louis right they they changed their coach. Drew yes. Bannister comes in. Uh, we talked about the same thing with the Sabers in Colorado. How the shots Sabers had no shots for the first eighteen and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Ottawa had no shots for the first. Was it 14 minutes in that game? The shots were 11 nothing for St. Louis, and St. Louis was up one nothing. And, you know, St. Louis got a new coach. And look, don't tell me Drew Bannister came in and changed the systems. He's been there 24 hours. He didn't, he couldn't have changed the systems. No. Just like, he you know, he changed the top jo- line. He put um, Thomas and Cairo and, and uh, Butchnevich together. But it changes was, the energy a, and it changes right. the, you know, okay, which, Coaches that have that have been around, like Craig Berube, has changed his top line multiple times this year. He's mm-hmm. tried to bring in energy. Drew Bannister comes in, the St. Louis Blues decide, hey, you know what? We're gonna play hard right now. Start of the game, they go up eleven nothing in shots. Same thing happened with Minnesota when John Hines came in. Like Dean Evison tried different things, different goalies, different you know lines, whatever. Get a new coach. Same thing in in. In Edmonton, like Chris Knobloch did not come in and change the power play, who now is running at 44% for the Oilers since, well, 44% in the last nine games, and Mm. they were 21% before that. Chris Knobloch didn't come in and change the power play. The Oilers already had a really significant power play. It's just everybody's playing a little bit harder. Right. I mean, this was a power play unit that was around 40% at this time a year ago. So yeah. the pieces were there and it just needed probably a little jump start. Obviously, Paul Coffey has had a pronounced impact seemingly behind the bench as well to help and, out uh, Knobloch in that regard. And look, last Darnell night. Nurse looks him. good. He scored a shorthanded goal last night. And that that's a, yeah. maybe the, the biggest impact Paul Coffey has had right now is making Nurse a little bit more effective. Well, we mentioned some of those teams that, uh, you know, are hot. In the Eastern Conference, I mean, even Columbus, for all their challenges injury-wise, they're they're six wins, five losses, and an overtime decision in the last twelve. I don't think many people would think that. They just think that Columbus is down at the bottom, but they're finding a way. They lost Line A due to injury last night. Um, Florida is struggling to a certain extent, certainly by their standards. The Rangers yeah. are struggling. Detroit and Ottawa are struggling. But even like Montreal, five, four, and two in the last 11, right? They're picking up points. Pittsburgh, four, two, and three. That means points in seven of the last nine. And the reason I keep building towards all of this is game two of Buffalo's road trip tonight is against the hottest team in the NHL when it comes to live, active point streaks. The Vegas Golden Knights, and still champions of the hockey world. They won the cup. They're number one in the NHL overall standings right now in even missing two pillars on the blue line. Shea Theodore arguably was off to the best start of his career. Alec Martinez has been out more than 10 games as well. Aiden Hill's been out. He was their savior in the playoff run. 
They're not missing a beat. Buffalo wow. is definitely up against it tonight. They cannot even come close to having a start like they did in period one against Denver. So what's the key to, to the Vegas Golden Knights last four games? They have scored 22 goals in four games. They won 6-3 against St. Louis, 6-1 against Dallas, 5-4 in a shootout against uh, San Jose. So really, they only scored four goals that game, so 21, but and 5-4 in a comeback fashion against the Flames. They scored a ton of goals. Now, I got a chance to have a phone conversation with Gary Lawless, who covers the uh, Golden Knights. I um, talked to him on the phone this morning, and he said, you're going to see the Vegas Golden Knights, what type of game they're going to give you in the first 10 minutes of the game. Okay. When they manage the puck, they don't turn it over, and they play a good first period, they win. And I'm like, well, it's kind of the same thing for the Sabres, but it doesn't guarantee a win at the end of the day. It's just that if you play a good first period, you have a chance to win. But if they don't play a first good period, it's over. It's They, they never recover from a bad first period. Where Vegas is the opposite because they're so confident and they've had such success this year that it's if you play a good first period, you're going to win. You're not losing that game. And so that's the difference. And yeah, um, I, I'm I'm looking at the first 20 minutes and it's Sabres after dark. A lot of people are going to stay up just to watch the first part of the game. You're going to know after 20 minutes in this game what what kind of direction this game has taken both on Vegas and on the Sabres side. It's Friday. I suspect everybody's staying up for the duration. Maybe yeah, I'm naive to think right. that. Yeah, no. Well, you would. That's that's why. I think there's a lot of people that are like, let's watch the first period, and then we'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see if we're you know buying into the rest of the game or not. And that's why, like, it's been starting the game on time with a good effort. To mm-hmm. me, is is a no-brainer, but it's almost the, the easiest thing in, in all of hockey, right? Because it's not like you have to deal with uh, the circumstances of the first 20 of the first 40 minutes or injuries that you're dealing with. You're starting a game with 20 players, just like the other team. 18 skater, two goalies, you go. Putting the effort in in the first 20 minutes should be a given. Then after that, I get it. There's the ebbs and flows, and maybe you, you're up against a team that's playing really well or whatnot. But like the effort and the compete in the first 20, for me, that's, again, what it's going to come down to. Well, of course, it's a rather large sports weekend here in town because not only do we have the Sabres playing on back-to-back nights, Friday and Saturday, coverage right here on MSG and WGR Sports Radio 550, but Saturday brings about the banner-raising ceremony for the Buffalo Bandits. Now, this is important because we want you in early, and the doors open at 6, and there's a happy hour in arena at all the uh, proper concession stands that serve. (laughs) It's a pregame happy hour on domestic beer until 645. Um, But there's a guaranteed jackpot of the 50-50. You can scan that QR code right now to get tickets uh, on your screen on MSG. But, uh, you know, we've got a guaranteed jackpot of 25,000. The actual banner raising ceremony begins at 715. And we just want you in your seats. uh, Of course, get your tickets now. Bandits.com slash tickets. Let's fill the place up just like it was filled to the rafters at the end of last year when they capped the championship with a game three lopsided win over Colorado. They start their home portion of the schedule tomorrow against San Diego to try to get their record back to one and one on the year, but it's less about the current season. It's about celebrating last year and bringing that elusive fifth championship home, which the bandits did in convincing fashion. It's going to be a great night. We'll be watching from our studio 
in Orchard Park as we get set for then Buffalo and Arizona, but really looking forward to seeing everybody uh, decked out in bandit land tomorrow night. And then, of course, Sunday, you have the Bills and Cowboys in town. So it is a very, very, very heavy um, sports weekend across the board. So how does Buffalo um, get we've, we've teased you with Vegas uh, and obviously we'll dive in a lot more tonight. By the way, Shana Goldman with her regular Friday uh, installment on Sabres Live coming up at the bottom of the hour, but also joining us on pregame coverage tonight to uh, really dive in to what the Sabres are facing this weekend in Vegas and with Arizona for a second time this week. By the way, I guess not surprising, but Sabres will see Vimelka again tomorrow uh, yeah. from a goaltending matchup. We're anticipating Devin Levi tonight and Logan Thompson. So how do you view that? based on the fact that Levi does have points in each of his last three and, you know, is getting back in. Didn't get to continue that run in game one of this trip. Um, no, and and look, I, I get the the idea behind going with Lukanen in Colorado, and mm-hmm. that's fine. And Lukanen's going to have to get back into a rhythm here because he was playing well before the sickness and, you know, missed sometimes and going to get back into a rhythm. But for Devin Levi... Um, this was an unexpected chance for him to come back and play some games because of Lucan and be- being sick. He was in Rochester, played a couple of games, and he has looked very, very different. Uh, but the numbers and the obviously results um, can speak to that, that he's looked different. He's made very, very solid structural saves in the game. You still see the uh, athleticism, especially on the lateral movement when he goes full splits and when he, uh, he it's a reverse no angel with his belly down, but still reaching out. He's made a save with his toes on, uh, on the same play the other day. So yeah, there has been some success, but I don't know that, uh, again, I, I would say, I don't know that the goalie situation now is as clear as it was two weeks ago when the Sabres decided let's send Devin Levi back down to Rochester. I think we're things are murky again. Things are unsettled again. What's happening? You know, do you think Levi now has found a groove that he'll continue to go? Um, is Lukanen going to be able to get back into that rhythm if you play Levi more? What's to come with Eric Comrie? That's the questions. That those are the questions that you still have now, but because Levi has played well, if Levi hadn't played well, you wouldn't have those questions. So I think it's good that we have those questions and we're kind of, you know, thinking about it because Levi has played well lately. So what is the biggest question slash challenge facing the Sabres tonight? Because they are beginning uh, life in the short term at the very least without Jeff Skinner, who was placed on injured reserve yesterday and Brett Murray. Not sure if he did get out of town before coming back to town, but regardless, uh, Brett is uh, back <laughs> with yeah. the team. And uh, that, you know, this is the one thing about, not the one thing, one thing about Skinner over his six seasons with the Sabres, he's been pretty durable. He's uh, he's yeah. played in 383 of the 401 games over this six-year period. So he's missed on average three games a year. That's That's not a lot. And obviously he was on pace for his fourth 30-goal season in the six-year time with the Sabres. So it's what what's happening here is it's kind of continuing a run of somebody from last year's top line not being in the lineup, whether it was Thompson, then it was Tuck, and now it's Skinner. Um, you're, you're constantly subtracting here from what was 
a major reason why Buffalo was top three offensively last year. And that's the challenge for me against, you know, Vegas because Vegas has scored, like I said, 21 goals in the last four games. They can create, but Vegas still has a top 10 defensive team. When you look at expected goals per game against, mm. um, they don't give up much. They're still good defensively. And funny enough, I know Aiden Hills had a really good start to the season after winning the Stanley Cup last year, coming in, you know, for the injured goaltenders that were kind of a rotating door in, in Vegas. Um, but he had a great start to the season this year. Logan Thompson, I watched some games where I'm thinking that's street hockey goalie, Logan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Why, like, why is he playing the style that he's playing? But he's still top 10 in goal save above expectation this year. His numbers yeah. are great. Right. Yeah. Do you see? That's funny. I, I wouldn't have expected that either, but he's still a top 10 goaltender in goal save above expectation. So how do you create and how do you get goals? That's the biggest thing because. It's not just the way that Vegas defends and their goaltenders playing at a high level. It's the Sabres' lack of production. Last year, Duffer, at the end of the year, the Sabres had six regulars that were above a half a point a game, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, they uh, no, last year they had seven. This year, you know, they have six, but it's nobody's at a point a game. Darlene is the yeah. highest point like, producer on the team right now. Nobody's even close to where they were producing last season. So, and then you have on top of that, you know, you mentioned Jeff Skinner being hurt. You're missing some guys that, that would help produce offensively. It is a, uh, it's a big task to go into Vegas and hope to score four or five, maybe to be able to go out there and win a game. They are number one in the Vegas Golden Knights defensively. They are top 10 offensively. And uh, if I presented you with this, how would you answer where would Nazem Kadri rank on the Sabres among forwards in scoring? Well, um, it's Skinner, Paterka, Middlestat, your top three guys for forwards because Dallin's number one. So I think because you're asking the question, I think he'd be first because he wouldn't Tied be for first. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't be fourth or surprising, fifth. right? Like people are still kind of on the, uh, I don't know about that cadre contract in Calgary, right? They're on yeah. that train. And it's like, I get it. Like the flames are up and down, but I think cadre has been doing a lot more than what they were seeing prior out of them. Right. So anyway, just, uh, you know, it goes back to that old theory uh, segment idea we had a long time ago. Like who needs a hug? I think Nazem Kadri <laughs> deserves a hug. You know, I think he's, I think he's been doing okay. And Blake Coleman, unfortunately, we saw Blake uh, deliver a dagger against the Sabres earlier yeah. this year. Blake's been pretty good for them, too. But, uh, but you know who else needs a hug? And Dustin Wolf looked taller in his white gear the other night. Than he, he looks did bigger in, in his gear. white gear but than in they, the black they, gear. They still lost. So. They still lost. But I'm just yeah. saying he looks a lot better in the white gear. Um, Dan Vidar made probably the shootout save of the year with the reverse Scorpion. Oh so gosh. instead you of going to his right left... Leg. Yeah, that's exactly. A, it's the right yeah. leg that came over that made the save. Usually it's the left heel that comes up and you kick your, your strong leg, right? He kicked his weak side leg up in the air. And then yeah. after the save, how about the style points for Dan Vidar? Because in the same movement of kicking his right leg back in the air, he kind of rolled over his left side and did a roll over, got up. It was like so smooth. I'm like, uh-huh. wow, that felt like it, it was on purpose, but no. So, uh, you know, who else needs a hug. And I just talked about, you know, one of the forwards that was a constant, um, 
I don't want to say constant, but maybe the more consistent guy up front for the Sabres was Casey Middlestat. He has no points in his last four. I feel like no. somebody's got to give him a hug so he can get back going offensively because the Sabres need that. Yeah, and obviously there's been fluctuation among the forward uh, line combinations due to injury and at times uh, ineffectiveness in the sense of they're trying to find the right rhythm. So we'll see what they go with tonight. We won't know, uh, obviously, before the end of this show because of uh, a later morning skate for Buffalo in Vegas, and we'll be on the air at 9.30 tonight with pregame coverage that will include our next guest, Shana Goldman, here on Sabres Live. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. That's how we describe our guest right now. Nothing else comes close. And that is Shana Goldman from The Athletics, who's not only on now, but she's on with us tonight to look ahead to the final two games of the road trip for the Sabres. Shana, would you like to start with Sabres or non-Sabres here in this particular segment? Let's start with Sabres and then we can jump around. Okay. (laughs) How do you get them on the right path now without Jeff Skinner for at least the next week? I say throw out the systems, throw out the defense, and bring back last year's chaos. That is what we're missing. I think any team that tries to transition to be a better defensive team, which they had a ton of room to do, can risk losing their offense, right? How many times do we hear it's the same with a young player who's developing? It's the same with the team-wide concept. Sometimes defense can just swallow up offense, and that's what's happening to Buffalo right now. I think you need to just kind of let the defense work their way through everything they've been okay that's fine it's not great not against Colorado but generally speaking they've been okay enough but you need to pick up the pace offensively if you have the puck and you're generating scoring chances you're not playing back in your own zone so that would be my emphasis for literally everybody in the lineup because everybody has to make up for what they're missing in Skinner so I look at the way the Sabres forward groups is constructed it's like they don't have a top nine they have a top six and a bottom six right Mm -hmm. and even last game against Colorado you're like hey okay well we're getting, you know, somebody back in the lineup. So who comes out of the top six, right? Alex Tuck comes back. Who comes out of the top six? It ended up being Dylan Cousins. But it is that should that be the focus when you look at the Sabres and the roster is not just having a top six, but they don't have the numbers right now to be able to consistently ice a top nine and have three lines that could be a threat. No, that, that should be a focus right now because you have to think about it like, 
you know, there's always talk about whether hockey's a strong or a weak link game. And at the end of the day, more star power wins, more talented player, you know, like having more talent on your roster wins. Not only that, but being able to spread that out across your lineup wins because it means you have more ice time with better players on the ice. It's a super simple concept. And it might sound like, okay, thank you, Captain Obvious, but it's the truth, right? And we saw that with Vegas last year. The fact that they were able to distribute their talent through the top nine is what made them so dangerous because most teams can't compete with the team that's rolling three scoring lines out there. So it definitely is a problem. Like if we're thinking, oh, they have to bump someone to the third line, that shouldn't be a problem. That should be great. Now they have a, you know an even deeper third line. Look at the offense. And I think that's the way a lot of people felt with the team like New Jersey as they got healthier. Now they don't have a top six, they have a top nine again. If you don't have a solid top six, it's a problem, but that's the biggest problem, right? Because if you don't have that, what yeah. do you have? You definitely don't have a top nine, but you want the Sabres to be getting to the point where we're saying now they don't have a top nine. That's like the next step to having that forward development, I'd say. It's interesting, you know, just laying it out the way you are, obviously on the heels of Henrik Lundqvist being critical the other night, honest and critical at the same time uh, from his perspective. And he was obviously focusing more on defensively and accountability defensively and that. So it's, it's different than how you're presenting how the Sabres might get back to success. Uh, Marty, why don't you be the middle person on this based on your experience? And because obviously I'm more with Shana on this because of how we talked about this group last year and how it seemed to these players in a better place to feel like they could succeed. Now I'm not seeing that confidence within certain players. You mentioned cousins, Shana, like he has yeah. one goal in 20 games. There is an enormous amount of pressure on this young man right now to Marty feel like he did last year. Yeah. Marty, okay. So huge range. I'm sorry. You're going from, you're the middleman between Henrik Lundqvist and me. This, this could go anywhere. Listen, I was like carrying Hank's luggages and luggage in the bus and on the plane and carrying <laughs> his wine and all of that. So I think I can do it, but I will say that like for me and like for Hank, we speak from our position of being a goalie and hating to see turnovers in your own in in your own zone multiple turnovers and then you're like okay how are we going to win when we turn the puck over when we don't get out of the zone clean don't even think about creating offense think about just managing the puck when you're 20 feet from your net right that's the the point but i also think that those two go together and shana maybe you can help me with this is that by by not turning the puck over in your zone you're obviously not spending 30, 40 seconds in your zone. When you get out, you're not tired. You can attack and you can spend 30 seconds in the offensive zone. Like, don't they all go together? Even if you're a defensive-minded coach like John Tortorella or even Ken Hitchcock or Jacques Lemaire, you still can have a highly offensive team. You just are focusing different part of the ice. Yeah, in today's game, it's not one or the other. It's both. And even someone like Tortorella, you can see how he's encouraging someone like Sean Walker to jump up in the play because he knows he can turn defense into offense. And that's what that's the name of the game today. If you can't do that, you have a problem. That's why Vegas is successful. That's why Colorado won. And that's why Tampa Bay won two cups in a row. That was what they did. You wanted that you're not just enduring shots against, 
and you're able to keep things calm while you're in your own zone, there's another end of the ice you have to think about. And the biggest key is how do you transition from one to the other? And then how do you sustain offense? And this is, I think, one of the most interesting things when we talk about defense is sustaining offense. And I feel like people don't talk about that enough as defense when it is. If you're trying to keep playing your own zone and you're holding the puck at the blue line or you're finding ways to regain possession, that's defense. It's defense. And then you're shifting immediately back to offense. You just don't have to transition through three zones of the ice. So it definitely goes hand in hand. You can't be giving away the puck. You have to be maintaining possession and finding a way to break out the puck. And in today's game, that means with possession and with control, unless you're the Carolina Hurricanes. They're like one of the only teams that succeeds with that dump and chase style. And that's not how the Sabres are built to play. Right. And Carolina has gotten back on the winning path here the last couple after a four game absence. And I I would say this also, uh, if I really wanted to bore everybody when we started the show, I could have just, you know, and this is relevant because the Sabres are missing Skinner now. The number of players who are injured across the league, like this daily add on, add on, add on, like even last night. You would not probably have anticipated Tampa winning the way they did against Edmonton, especially without Victor Hedman, who's been amazing this year. But he didn't play last night. We mentioned Line A earlier getting hurt last night. He's likely out for another six weeks now with a fractured mm-hmm. clavicle. So on and on and on and on and on it goes. And the point is you have to find a way here. So um, I- I'm really fascinated by what you said about, because it's been Don Granado's thing all along, Shana, is like our style is get the puck back as quickly as possible. That doesn't have to be in your own zone. That can be in any of the three zones. So it speaks to your point about how it creates offense. But um, again, I'll I'll just go back to both of you here on Cousins. Like, what's going to be the snap out of it moment for him, Marty? Um, snap out of it moment for him because he's had chances. We've seen that. Here he's a had lot chances, lately. but but I do feel like it's with Dylan as with a lot of players, they feel like they have their themselves have to do it. They have to score. It's not like our line has to score. It's not like I can be a facilitator as I have to score. And, and maybe again with, without Skinner, now you're reinserting cousins in the top six. Maybe you play him with Thompson and, and talk. Maybe you give him a different look on a line that he doesn't have to take it all on himself. He can share that, that, I mean, misery in a sense with Thompson and Tuck and say, hey, we're, we got to come out together, not just one person. Shana, I mean, if you, if you're looking at the top six that has Paterka, Middlestat and Benson as well, when you keep Benson, Paterka and Middlestat together and put cousins with Thompson and Tuck. Yeah, because if you keep that second line together, I think you have a line that can kind of grind it out and play a different style than we know the Sabres to be. They're a rush-based team. They have been for a long time. So if you have a, a line that can like get to the dirty areas and just make life miserable for the opponents, I think that is a totally different look than that top line, which thrives off the rush. Dylan Cousins last year is one of the best players in transition in the league, just in zone entries, but he didn't always turn them directly into scoring chances. And I think the best way to do it is facilitating the play, like you said. So if he has someone that he can facilitate it to, and he doesn't have to be the shooter, but he can focus on driving in transition, just moving the puck, which I don't think we've seen enough from him this year because he hasn't had a finisher like Jack Quinn on his line that he clicks so well with. I think that would be really great for him. And I think it would be good for someone like Tage and it would be good for someone like Tuck because we're not seeing them shoot the puck like we expect them to either. So Mm -hmm. I think just getting someone to kind of handle everything up to that point and get him back to playing to his strengths in a way will be the right step for everybody. Your descriptions of, you know, zone entries and facilitating things like that conjure up such clear images in contrast to last year for me with Cousins. It was obvious as soon as you said it, it's like, oh, yeah, like Dylan was 
especially, I mean, between Jack and JJ, like they were always on odd man rushes. But Marty, what's the one thing that you have been consistent in suggesting this year that has held not only Dylan, but many of them back? And that is hesitancy. Oh, yeah. So if Cousins becomes the facilitator again here, it just has to be like this. Back forth, back forth, back forth. Go go look at St. Louis's third or fourth goal last night when they oh. caught Corpus Salo so far to the right because he was not expecting the pass back to the slot. This is 100% what Cousins, Paterka, and Quinn were doing regularly last year when entering the zone on odd man rushes. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh you know, so so for me, making quick decisions uh, are look at Patrick Liney. Like I was watching Toronto Columbus last night, and before Liney scores his first goal, like he had the puck in the high like slot right inside the blue line, and he was so slow with the puck. He was like dusting it off, and then he went to shoot it. It got deflected. Luckily, he got a pass from Ken John Ken Johnson from behind the net, and he scored right after. But I'm like Liney. You got to move your feet. You got to think faster. You got to play faster. And that is a being a big, big downfall of Dylan Cousins and a lot of the Sabres this year and hanging on to pucks a little too long or whatnot. But um, just because, Shana, we're going to have you tonight. We'll talk more Sabres and obviously Vegas and Arizona tonight. But I want to, you know, you touched on Ottawa, St. Louis, Duffer. So I want to go there quickly. Mm-hmm. Jordan Cairo, $8.125 million contract over eight years. And apparently the relationship with Craig Berube wasn't all that good. He gets booed yesterday. He's crying after the game when asked about that. Um, St. Louis still won, but what did you make of, uh, not as Duffer made a play on word before the show, Cryru or Cairo, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it spells pretty close to it. What did you make of the, his comments post game? That's Jordan Cairo ratio, and I won't stand for it. I think that he's <laughs> underperformed. And I do think a lot of the blame falls on him. I do not think that Craig Bruby was the right coach for him at all. I think he threw him down the lineup too many times and then would want him to claw his way back up when there was no position for him to succeed. I think that he had weaknesses in his games. And as a coach, yes, you don't build the roster. And Doug Armstrong is the problem here. Let's put that first and foremost. I don't think <laughs> like a was- winner, Doug Armstrong, I might add. Yeah, but he also said when he got there, uh, you know, 2008, I think he said, he goes, this team is no better than it was when I found it or whatever. So he was putting the blame a little bit on himself also. I would put it a lot on myself when I build a blue line that has, what, five no trade and no movement clauses and wonder, why are we not good? We can't do anything. Like, it's on him to find players that will be complementary to someone he wants to build around, like a Thomas, like a Kyrie, right? You have to find complementary talent to go around them. But I yeah. think you have to work with what you have. And I don't think Ruby has done a great job with it. I don't think that he's some player development expert. I don't think he has creative and innovative enough ideas. I don't think Kyrie said anything wrong. They didn't have a great relationship, it seemed, from what we could see from the outside. So what he said was fine. I think if that came from a veteran player, no one would have thought twice. If Someone like, I don't know, like a third liner said it, third line grinder. Like, look, if if Marcus Foligno tomorrow insulted Dean Evison, I don't think anyone would have blinked. They would have been like, ah, oh, he probably has a point. But because it's Kairou and he's someone that's underperformed, I think that we're going to be a lot more critical on him. And we're always so critical on our stars. And on the other hand, we're saying, hey, we want personality and you to have an opinion. So it's like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Craig did a masterful job guiding that team to the Stanley Cup. He had phenomenal goaltending. And the fallout from every cup winner is the inevitability of bad contracts. And that is not a Doug Armstrong exclusive. 
Now, he did plan on having Travis Sanheim, a much younger version of a defenseman in his lineup this year, but somebody nixed that trade. Now, you could argue that Armstrong gave that player the ability to nix that trade, but still, all of these things typically are hangovers from winning. So you will not find me in the finger-pointing chair. At I'm gonna no no I'm gonna be in the finger pointing chair. Oh, I know I know. Mandatory <laughs> that contract when he should have given it to Alex Petrangelo. He should have paid yeah. Alex Petrangelo every single I, cent he wanted and every clause, and he chose not to. Well, you don't think Petrangelo had other ideas anyway? He was maxing himself out at the end of winning a Stanley Cup. I he should have. And we'll he see should've. Petrangelo tonight, which is great. Now, in the spirit of like Mean Girls and stuff like that. um, I don't know. I hope you knew this story. Did you see Gabe Velarde's game against LA this week in LA? Like four points, number one star. And honestly, like it might be the biggest middle finger game any individual player has. And it's not Kings specific. Gabe got hurt badly earlier this year by a former teammate in Blake Lozat. And Velarde was really 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 mad at Lazat for like basically an idiotic play that could have cost him the he season. called him dirty he yeah. called him dirty he said that's that doesn't surprise me from a guy like him so and basically. for him to come back into LA and have that game I think it kind of because again it's 10 30 and the east doesn't pay attention to anything like <laughs> I was like this is amazing good for you Gabe Velarde so I thought you might appreciate that kind of. Oh, yeah. We love a good revenge game. And it worked for him in a sense that, like, he got to move up in the lineup. Like, I don't know if he would have had that game on the second or third line, but it would have been fun if he did anyway. But playing with, you know, Shifley and Ehlers, who, the you know, the unsung hero of Winnipeg, Nikolai Ehlers, who deserves everything and more. It was so good. And now he has this opportunity to shine. And it's going to be really interesting because, like, their season, you could look at it and say, well, if Helen Buck isn't perfect, their season's over without Connor until he returns. Mm -hmm. But if he can play at this level, which I don't expect every night to be a four-point game, but if he can keep crushing it and they absolutely crushed it in their minutes, like that that's a huge win for Winnipeg right there. He's a super skilled player if he can stay healthy. Yep. And one last one for me. Um, Ottawa's in Dallas tonight. They didn't look good against St. Louis last night. We already talked about the St. Louis Blues making a coaching change. Do you anticipate last game for DJ Smith? Uh, does he have a week? Does he have till Christmas, New Year's? Like where... Where do we think this is going? Because obviously they, they didn't play hard last night and they're frustrated. Their captain Brady Kachuk is losing his mind wanting to fight everybody taking bad penalties. They're frustrated in Ottawa. Yeah, I, they're in an awkward position because I think when ownership changed hands, we expected Stiles to be named GM, period, not interim GM, and then to change the coach. And I understand why they don't want to change a coach right now going, well, if a new general manager comes in, then he's hamstrung to this new coach. And that's awkward if they don't get to bring in their own guy. But like at a certain point, you have to say, we have to do what's best for the team. And it's not like you're fighting for someone that has some great track record. I would make the argument that DJ Smith was an odd choice when he was first hired because this was a team that needed defensive help. And he did a very bad job with the Leafs defense as an, as an assistant coach there. And it's been the same story this entire time. And yes, you're bringing in reinforcements now that I think will help. But I just think that this team has too much writing on these last couple seasons. And some of it, you know, was roster based. Some of it's injury based. Some of it's that they couldn't get a save. But at this point, you need to be progressing. And I don't think that they have the coaching staff to do it, that you need to take a long, hard look and just go, maybe it's worth it to just bring in an interim coach and try to put things in the right direction. And we'll figure everything out from there. And the new general manager can talk about things at the end of the year. If they're even going to hire someone mid-season, like why yeah. wait? 
tough night for Sergei Bobrovsky. Had a primary assist on one Vancouver goal, and uh, obviously in front of him, he lost Aaron Ekblad, didn't play in the third period due to injury. But the big story there for you, Shayna, is that your guy, Thatcher Demko, on a night when they honor Bobby Lou, hosted a shutout. So are you basking in the glow of that today? I I thought Florida was going to win that game, honestly, for the vibes for Luongo, too, because they actually have him and respected him fully throughout his career versus Vancouver. But you know what? I thought that they were going to bounce back from an, an uncharacteristic game against Seattle. Like, I would have expected Florida to really, you know, take it to them offensively, and they didn't. But I think what Demko did was super impressive. What was it? A 36-save shutout? Like, he was... He keeps standing tall, and I wonder how he's going to sustain this for the whole season. I would say this about any goaltender. If you're mm-hmm. saving goals the way he is, like, at a certain point, you would expect, like, a little stretch of regression, then a bounce back. But to do it against Florida, super impressive. They have a lot of finishing talent. That top line is absolutely positively excellent with Reinhardt, Barkov, and Evan Rodriguez. And, you know, you still have the Kachuk line as the second line. Like, there's so much to to worry about with Florida. So, super impressive. Next week, because you mentioned um, uh, Kachuk there, next week we're going to go into most disappointing seasons so far from superstar players, whether it's Kachuk, Ovi, because the goal-scoring numbers for some of these guys way, way, way down right now. But in the short term, we're going to look forward to seeing you tonight on our pregame coverage at 9.30 as you look ahead to Vegas and Arizona for us. Thank you, Shana. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Sabres Live continues right after this. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Have you noticed a difference in me in the last day and a half? You got new contact lenses? No, I got rid of Twitter. Can't you see the buoyancy in my life? Uh, I wish I could. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's usually (laughs) contingent on Sabre results, so maybe it'll change tonight as they take on Vegas here. I hope so. Uh, Hey, just a quick note here. Happy birthday, Sabres prospect, at Sabres prospect, talking about Twitter, Chris Baker. Happy wow. birthday, Chris Baker, Bakesy. 96. Still doing it. I mean, he looks like not a day older than 26, but that's just me. So one of Bakes' favorite guys and mine back in the day when he was Sabre property was Brandon Hagel. And let me tell you, the Lightning might not win that game last night without an unbelievable defensive play from Hagel. Did you see it? Did not- I think the game was tied or it was uh, one goal at the point in time. Tampa was hemmed in and they made a horrific pass from the far <clears throat> half wall right to the high slot mm-hmm. to dry Hagel had no business in getting to it. He dove instantaneously stretched out as far as possible. The stick deflected up, up and out of play. And then boom, boom, boom. They scored, you know, multiple to put the game away after that. I was like, that's effort. Need to see it. Right. Yeah, no, and I get what you're saying about Brendan Hagel and being here with Buffalo, but he's also with Chicago, and they let him go, so those are some of the things. <laughs> well, that wasn't the reason I brought it up. It was about effort, which we'll yeah. see tonight. See you then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.